Mondays in March will be all about NFTs or non-fungible tokens. You've probably heard of them in pop culture over the last year and a half. With artists, athletes, celebrities, brands, and even your next door neighbor's nephew probably trying to digitize everything and finding ways to create value. But is this the next evolution in art? Or is this a scam? Or are NFTs much more than that? In this multi-part series, the folks at Raja and Tan will be joining us every Monday this month to talk about NFTs, what they are, what opportunities they hold, and what are the risks and pitfalls, and can and should these be regulated. In part two, we build off of our definitions of what an NFT is and talk about the various applications and opportunities that businesses are starting to find with non-fungible tokens. So we've been talking about NFTs and their ability to represent collectibles and art in a digital manner and creating new markets. But how are businesses using NFTs? Maybe I can ask Rajesh this question first. Sure, JP. So this is now the new way in which assets can be created, a secondary class of assets, essentially, that uh, companies can look at creating using NFTs. To put it uh, bluntly, if I'm uh, someone who's a property developer and I'm selling a property, now I'm able to create a secondary layer of tokens that are tied to the property itself. And so if you think about it in the context of, let's say, a block of condominiums, you can build a house on that piece of land and there's just one piece. If I build a condominium, I've got floor one, two, three, four, five, six, multiple layers of value built on the same piece of land. So think of NFT now to increase your property value in the sense that, well, I can build up to 20 floors, but on that 20 floors, I can add another 20, 30, 40 pieces of tokens uh, tied to that same piece of land and sell that on a secondary marketplace. So certainly property is one key area where tokenization is going to take off. There are websites like Decentraland, etc., that are in place where you have virtual orchard roads that you can go to and buy very expensive pieces of land for millions of dollars. So that's already a real market that exists. Others would, of course, be in areas like the sporting goods, where you see Nike and the rest already and Adidas coming in and setting up and selling their own versions of digital sneakers and digital uh, collectibles. That's definitely on the cards and live as we speak. Luxury goods, we spoke briefly the last time on Hermes and the Birkin handbags. Well, there are similar luxury companies that have already started creating their own NFTs because the takeaway from the Birkin and the Meta Birkin saga was the fact that the Meta Birkin NFTs started selling for a higher price than the actual handbags themselves. So clearly, we're dealing with the fact that, as I mentioned, NFTs are scarce, NFTs are unique. And so when it comes to luxury goods, the concept of uniqueness and scarcity lends itself very, very well to the NFT space. So those are just some more examples of where NFTs has and will continue to take off. I can't seem to let go of the example of the Birkin handbag. It's hard for me to grasp why someone would pay more for an NFT of a Birkin handbag versus the actual Birkin handbag, right? Mm -hmm. But you did raise the point that we're seeing the valuations of these NFTs actually outpace their underlying assets. And is that really the incentive for a lot of these companies that, hey, if we don't do this ourselves, somebody else will. And A, we'll have the headache of unwinding some of the legal issues of infringing on what we created via these Mm -hmm. NFTs. And we might as well secure the value rather than, say, somebody else profiting off of it. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And what you've just shared is what is called a defensive play. So before someone else gets a chance to exploit your intellectual property in the metaverse, let's go and get it done ourselves. And I think that that's really what's driving companies like the pioneers like Nike and Adidas to get that done in the uh, sporting goods arena. Uh, and the same that will happen in the in the land area as well, as you can imagine. And we may not be able to afford a black and white condominium or, or a black and white bungalow, let's say, of uh, Nassim Road, but I can afford a black and white condominium on Decentraland. Let's go get it now. So mm -hmm. I think that that's really what's driving the price. The other thing is perhaps a little bit more nefarious. So there are some concerns that there is a fair bit of money laundering, for example, that's going on. There's a fair bit of wash trading, uh, which are terms that I'll be happy to explain further later on in the presentation. These are uh, ways in which people are, in a sense, uh, artificially boosting the prices of NFTs. And what that means is that these high prices that we see today, as far as the NFTs are concerned, may not necessarily be sustainable. So to your point, when I buy a, let's say a Birkin handbag, I know my wife's is about, well, anyway, if you buy a handbag for about 15K uh, or so, that price is pretty much locked in with a little bit of, you know, reduction uh, through wear and tear. But if I buy a NFT Meta Birkin for, let's say 30,000 today, because of the media hype, is that the same guarantee is going to be costing 30K, let's say a few weeks down, a few months down, no guarantee. Mm, so that's yeah. the risk. Here's a question, Rajesh. If you gave your wife an NFT of a Birkin handbag rather than the handbag itself, would she smack you? Yes, she would. With <laughs> Uh, maybe I would like to add this point as well. I think it's um, quite a good marketing strategy for luxury brands to go into the NFT play. So for example, if there was a promotion that's launched by a Chinese e-commerce website, so if you actually buy a luxury watch off their platform, you actually get an NFT that comes together with that purchase and then you are able to view that piece of digital art on that e-commerce site's proprietary platform. Right? So it's very different from going to a store and just merely buying a watch. You are getting a watch plus an NFT, which gives you a unique ownership in a piece of digital art. So mm -hmm. that's very good for marketing. And also, if you look at things like wearables, apparels, right? You buy that piece of a dress, it comes with an NFT and you can use that NFT in the metaverse for your avatar, for your game. You can have 50 Birkins or 50 branded bags in the metaverse. So it appeals a lot to the people who just want to get more bang for the buck rather mm -hmm. than the cost of buying the usual luxury goods, mm -hmm. as well as the younger generation who right. are sold into NFTs and, you know, looking forward to a better life in the metaverse. You know, Ben, in some sense as well, this goes back to something we were talking about earlier on, right? The ability to create two or multiple layers of value. On one hand, perhaps having a token that represents ownership of the underlying asset, but also being able to create value from the token itself. That's correct. Ben, maybe I could ask you this question. We were talking about artificially pumping up the value of a certain NFTs. And it just reminded me, what was it a few months ago, actually, we saw people like Elon Musk saying that, hey, I'm going to sell, create a song and sell it as an NFT. And we saw people start to bid up on this potential NFT that he created. And then he just withdrew the project only after it was bidded up on. Is this an example of that artificially pumping things up? Or is this just a way for markets to sort of define values for NFTs, the way, say, an opening bidder at an auction sets the tone and price. Is this what's happening at the moment? Or is this something that's actually perhaps a bit shady? I think it's quite analogous to the example where the opening bidder sets the price because of the uniqueness of the NFT. 
and also results in demand and supply. So for example, if Elon Musk attempts to sell a song as an NFT, it's very different from Ben Chung, who's attempting to sell a song as an NFT. I might not be able to get the same amount. I, I, I haven't heard you sing yet, Ben, but you know. Okay, uh, that's, why, that's why it probably wouldn't worth, be worth very much. Right? But if you look at the other example of NFT, which is the very first tweet, the very first tweet was available for free uh, many years ago. But right now, if you put into the NFT, it's selling for a lot of money. So it depends really on the creator, the scarcity of that um, NFT, as well as you know the demand and supply for that uh, NFT. I do wonder, and, and I know that you both of you as lawyers talk about precedent a lot. Is this also an attempt to say create a precedent so that a future person who creates a song as an NFT can say, hey, you know what? There is a precedent because Elon Musk, though he, he eventually withdrew that project, he did get this much for this. And when you take away my brand value versus his blah, 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 then I should be getting this value for this particular type of NFT. Is this a way of, a way of creating some vague precedent to anchor future valuations of NFTs? Yeah, I think to some extent, absolutely correct. But the market is a volatile one. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, it'd be very, very uh, cautious in terms of looking at current valuation as an indication of future value of such tokens. And I think if you're looking at sustainable value, and that's where the, the smarter implementations of NFTs, it is a holistic go-to-mark strategy where you look at selling an NFT and also dealing with the underlying asset class. So obviously that means that you want to use your own intellectual property, your own goods, things that you can rely on and then multiply the value using NFTs. Because the key lesson to be learned in the case of Meta Birkin, for example, is that you will lose the right to own and to control the NFTs if the underlying asset class is not your own. That's a key takeaway. And your value will also go up and down depending on, to some extent, the degree of control you have over the underlying asset class. We've been talking a lot about the valuations of NFTs, and really these things have skyrocketed over the last 18 months, maybe even further back. Give us an idea, how fast has the market for NFTs grown? And what is driving the, these surging values for some of these NFTs? That's a very interesting question because we were talking about NFTs of Birkins. We were talking about Elon Musk making an NFT out of a song. But in recent months, we have seen some really, I would use the term, simple or basic artwork that's being sold for astronomical amounts of money. So there's this um, Indonesian boy who created... I heard about this one. Go ahead. Self Yep, and it's worth more than a million dollars. There's a Singapore influencer who created NFTs out of her own pictures, along with certain words like, you know, have fun staying poor. And that reportedly earned her 7.5 million. So, you know, it's, it, it, they're definitely not your Elon, Elon Musk's and your, and your MS, but the value apparently that they got from NFT can be quite high. So I really think it's more of a demand and supply thing. NFTs were relatively unknown and you know, only known to a few crypto players until maybe um, in the late 2020s and 2021s where they were really pushed into the forefront. And then there were you know, reports of NFTs being pushed out, um, you know, the digital arts as well as the, NF or the songs that were, that were being made the underlying assets of the NFTs. And then everybody started jumping into the bandwagon. People were listing NFTs on crypto exchange platforms. And that's where people jumped into the bandwagon to say, hey, there's another um, avenue new or a way that I can invest my money in. And therefore, everyone is just jumping on the, that craze, creating quite a lot of demand. You know, supply is just catching up with that as well. 
Here's my question, though, and as we've seen with meme stocks, for instance, over the last 12 months, our cryptocurrencies, say uh, the poop coins or the squid coins, for instance, is this blind speculation uh, mostly driving the demand? Or is this really an attempt by some investor to say, hey, you know what, I want to get in on NFTs first and be a first mover. And thus, I think uh, it combines this much value to be one of the first guys to have an NFT yeah, there's no doubt that first to market definitely would be those who can and can monetize. The question to ask is, what is the return on investment strategy for these guys, right? I mean, they're putting out millions of dollars. How are they going to recoup this? If you were to sell it for a second or third round, can they actually sell it for the same value? And this is one point I want to make clear to everyone. When you buy an NFT, remember we spoke about underlying technology being blockchain. The other important underlying technology that's there is smart contracts. And based on these smart contracts, what happens is this. When I buy something for $10 million today, when I sell it on to someone else, I can perhaps get maybe... 7 million. Would you say that's a loss? Not necessarily. Because under the smart contract construct, when that second person sells it onto a third person, let's say for $5 million, I can get a certain percentage back of every subsequent transaction. You see? And so that's one important point to bear in mind because a lot of people say, but how the heck, let's say in the case of Metacoven, buying the Beeple piece, right, for millions of dollars, is he going to be able to sell it on again if he wishes to for the same, you know, let's say $69 million? Probably not. Does that mean he's lost money? Not necessarily, because even if he sells it for $50 million and it carries on and on and on, he now has a recurring income on the subsequent sale of the NFTs because of the underlying smart contract in play. So that's why people need to understand this is a very different kind of asset class where the value is not just tied to the subsequent sale and the subsequent value, but the ongoing transactional value of the good itself. How sticky would that good be over a period of time? How often would someone want to buy and transact that good will translate to additional value on the NFT? Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.